You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. So today is the final message in our sermon series that we've been calling Step Forward with Power. We've been looking at the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit. The whole theme for the year, if you remember, is since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we're kind of following that theme in all the sermon series that we have planned for this year. And uh, talking about the Holy Spirit is a great place to, uh, to really begin this, this whole thing. We've been talking about how wind is a metaphor for the Spirit in Scripture and fire and how the wind of God and the fire of the Holy Spirit empowers us to extend God's grace ever onward in our own lives, but even beyond our lives to the world around us. We talked about how the Spirit is my friend, my coach, my attorney, my investor, my guide, and how the sound of the Spirit brings new life. And and if you recall, um, as we've been looking here at the beginning of the, the Spirit's working in the early church, how it was poured out on Pentecost. Peter preached a fantastic message. 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus. The, the people gain momentum there. They're sharing with one another. People that had shared with those who didn't have. They met together in their homes. And it was just this contagious community of faith that began in Jerusalem by the power of the Holy Spirit all those years ago. But it didn't stay in Jerusalem. And that's what I want to talk about today. And... Um, Sometimes we have the Spirit blowing on our back, and it's like that first community. It seems like everything is going for us. Everything is easy. We're making great traction. But then there are those moments, even for a believer, even for a Christian, you sometimes stop your momentum. It feels like you're walking against the grain. It seems like the wind now turns, and it's in your face. And uh, sometimes we feel like we're taking a couple steps forward and going backwards, and um, I have a little video to illustrate what I'm talking about. This is my recurring nightmare, by the way. Do you, ever, do you ever do that? You get on the move, people move or going the wrong way, and uh, I just thought that's that's my nightmare, and, and I'm dreaming, and I just can't get to where I want to go. And as harder I, harder I try, I I go backwards. And 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 what's happening here in the early church is they make all this great momentum, but then all these forces come up against them. All these forces come up against them, and I want to talk about that this morning. And uh, really. There were, there's things that the Spirit does. I love the thrust of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts because in some ways it has the power to, 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 to blow us forward, but also sometimes it has to blow certain things over before it can build things up. And that's the message today is, is the Spirit can blow things down. It can tear down walls but it can build things up. It can blow the embers ever, ever forward, uh, the embers of the Spirit. So it's the power to tear down and the power to build up. We're going to look at a story in Acts 4. We're going to take a look at a story in Acts chapter 8. If you're following along in the Riverside app, you'll see the notes there, or you can follow along in your own scriptures if you want. So 
What happens is, the first story is in Acts chapter 4. If you remember last week, we talked about the miracle that took place in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. There was a lame man, been lame from birth, about 40 years old. And they walk up there and they see this man. They say, silver and gold, I don't have any, but whatever I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And the man was miraculously healed. He's leaping and jumping around and praising God. And everybody's all excited. Except certain group of people. And that brings us to Acts chapter 4. Not everybody's happy when the Spirit is, is working. And, um, and we're going to go deep into this for just a little bit here. So what we see here is Acts chapter 4, um, and uh, uh, it begins with the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees come up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So they go from 3,000 to 5,000. Now this is over a period of time, obviously. But who were these people that were concerned? The priests, the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees. So... The captain of the temple guard, basically they were the police. They were the religious police that guarded the temple, maybe from terrorists or other forces, I don't know, but, but they weren't too happy with what these guys were doing. And then there were the priests and the Sadducees, and these were the people who, well, they were the authorities. They, it was their way or no way. It was, we know what the truth is, and our truth is the truth because it's our truth. They, they, they knew the scriptures. They were the highly educated. The Sadducees were more of the upper class. They were sort of conspiring, many of them, with Rome. And they, they, they had their status and they wanted to keep their status. Uh, they had certain very, very dogmatic beliefs. And the, one of the dogmatic beliefs of the Sadducees was... There is no resurrection from the dead. When you're dead, you're dead. They were more of the, the liberal Jews of the day. The Pharisees were the conservative, fundamentalist Jews of the day. But, but liberal Jews, as they were, were just as dogmatic about their non-beliefs and their beliefs as were the Pharisees and the very, their very fundamentalist, conservative Jews were. And, and what's happening is, this is going on, and Peter and John, they're talking about the authority of Jesus who rose from the dead is why this man was healed. It was, it was a sign that Jesus was alive. We saw it with our own eyes. We believe it. We experienced the resurrection. So all of this was going up against their orthodox beliefs. And you just don't mess with orthodoxy. But that's what the Spirit was doing here. He was messing with their ideas and with their beliefs and they were dogmatic about what they believed because they were the ones that, that knew the Scriptures and they understood it and they believed it to be a certain way. Not only were they the, the keepers of the orthodoxy, they were just basically keepers of the status quo. We don't want things to change. So this, this, they were the truth enforcers. If it wasn't their news, it was fake news, you know? If it wasn't what they believed, then it was a false belief. And so they were able to quash or quelch any kind of uh, belief that was outside of their realm of authority, but Jesus was messing with them. 
He was messing with their ideas, messing with their theology, messing with their belief system. And the Spirit was doing all this. So, so they start to build these walls. They have these walls that they built up. And the walls of orthodoxy, the walls of authority, the walls of power, the walls of status quo. And don't we all have walls that we build up to buttress ourselves? Really? Beliefs about other people, beliefs about the way things are supposed to be, beliefs about the way we were told things were. And we all have these beliefs that buttress ourselves, as did these people. And Jesus was messing with them. The Spirit was blowing these walls down. And what happens was the changes that they were seeing, the enthusiasm, the momentum of the early church, this new community that was all excited about the resurrected Messiah was a threat to their authority. It was a threat to their beliefs. And so when the winds of change blow, these walls get exposed. And really, it still happens. Anytime change comes, we, we, we expose our walls, right? Our walls go up. Whoa, we're not going to see that happen. Whoa, that doesn't, that can't be. Whoa, our walls are exposed anytime we come up against the winds of change. And so the walls of unbelief, their position, their power, their prejudices, their bigotries, uh, these, these, these people were poor, uneducated Galileans. How could they know more than us? They're hicks from the sticks. They can't believe, they can't be authorities about this. So they were, all of these walls were exposed by, by the winds of the Holy Spirit that were blowing in those days. And I think the, the winds of the Spirit are always blowing against these kinds of walls, even today. The Spirit's gonna shake up your life. We've heard a lot about winds. I mean, we've seen the power of wind and the power of fire. And uh, no, that's no, uh, uh, it's a great metaphor for the power of the Holy Spirit to blow some things down and, and, uh, and build other things up. I'll get to that in just a minute. So as this momentum was growing, you know, basically the, the, this change is gonna shake up your life. The Spirit's gonna shake up your life. And, and, and the Spirit's gonna change any organization over time. You can't stop progress, but boy, you know, people of faith try as hard as they can to stop progress from happening. Martin Luther King Jr. said, a soft-minded man always fears change. He feels security in the status quo and he has an almost morbid fear of the new. For him, the greatest pain is the pain of a new idea. You've heard it said before, the seven last words of the church were, is, uh, we've never done that before, right? That's the death knell of a church, when we've never done, done it that way before. So momentum was building, it was, it was getting late, the authorities detained Peter and John in the jail overnight, and it says, the next day, the elders and teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem, Annas the high priest was there, so were Caiaphas, these were the people that, that sent Jesus to Pilate basically gave him a death sentence. John, Alexander, the other men of the high priest family, they had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question them. By what power and what name do you do this? Now, was this a sincere question? I doubt it. I think it was a veiled threat. I think they were saying, you better give us the answer that we want or you're gonna be punished. 
It didn't matter that a crippled man was healed. They weren't excited about the miracle that happened. What, what concerned them more was the fact that their beliefs were getting challenged. What concerned them more was, was the thought that their dogmatic theology might be incorrect. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this and all you people of Israel. The same man, Peter, who denied knowing Christ, now by the power of the Spirit is standing up and facing the very people that executed Jesus. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone, quoting from their scriptures. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So Peter and John, they couldn't keep silent, not, not because they had all the answers, not because they necessarily believed that they were the authorities, they, they couldn't keep quiet because they saw Jesus crucified. They got to the tomb and stuck their heads in the tomb and saw an empty tomb. They saw Jesus resurrected appearing to them. They could not deny the resurrection and that is why they had such courage and that is why they could not keep silent. With their own two eyes and their own two ears, they saw him, they heard him, they touched him. He was raised from the dead. And so he is wanting these people, these authorities, can you not look at scriptures with new eyes? Can you not see things just a little bit differently? Does it always have to be your way or no way? And so he challenged them. He invited them to put their faith in Jesus. Notice how the walls start to fall. They said when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, but they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they couldn't see the man who had been healed, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Can you hear the walls coming down? Can you hear the walls starting to tumble there? So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. They conferred, what are we going to do with these men? Everybody in Jerusalem knows that they've done an outstanding miracle. We can't deny it. But, but to stop this thing from spreading any further, we must warn them not to speak any longer in his name. And so they gave him a warning. They called him in again said, don't speak anymore about the name of Jesus. And Peter and John said, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened, for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Boom, the spirit is just blowing down their walls of resistance, their walls there. So that's the thing, the spirit blows down certain walls, walls of unbelief, walls of tradition, walls of orthodoxy, walls of power, walls of prejudice that these leaders had built up to buttress their status. And the walls had to come down in order for the gospel to spread, in order for the gospel to go further. These walls had to go down. And so the big idea here is you can't resist the winds of the Holy Spirit. You cannot resist or restrain the winds of the Holy Spirit. 
But that challenges me to ask the question, what are the walls that I have built up? It's scary to think that we might have more to learn. It's, it's, I don't know, man. I thought that I was comfortable with my set of beliefs, and I don't know if I can believe anything different than I believe. But what is the Spirit teaching us? We all have these walls built up. And we surround ourselves with people that strengthen those walls. But sometimes something has to happen and just blow the walls down. There are many people who claim to be led by the Spirit and they're just building bigger walls between themselves and other people, between themselves and, and, and people that aren't like them. Walls of hatred, walls of racism, walls of division, walls of social status. The Spirit blows these walls down, everybody. And if we keep building and buttressing those walls, we're working against the Holy Spirit. And so we need to learn from these people. We need to learn from these lessons. Which makes me ask the question, what are the walls that I have? The walls of unbelief, the walls of dogmatism, the walls of pride, the walls of prejudice. What, what are these walls of anger and unforgiveness and just self-justification? It's humbling to be led by the Spirit because the Spirit's always challenging us to think bigger and wider and broader. And not only blows down walls, but as we see in the next chapters, the Spirit blows the embers of the, of, of, of the fire of the Holy Spirit over walls and over the chasms that are between people. And I think of the California fires and how the hard winds just caused such devastation there as the embers were blown by the wind. And I get that image of the Spirit doing that here in Jerusalem, just blowing the embers of, of the fire of the Holy Spirit over the boundaries, over the walls that people built. And it goes in the next several chapters, and we're not going to read them obviously all, but the Spirit bridges He's, he's, he's building bridges. He's building bridges over the chasms, over the walls that are built up. So we see the story of walls coming down and now the story of uh, bridges going up. And we go to Acts chapter 8. If you have your scriptures, you're welcome to turn there. The first sentence says, and Saul approved of their killing him. What is he talking about? Let's stop right there. He's talking about Stephen's martyrdom. Go back between 4 and 6, 4 and chapter 8, we see... We see in, in chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, the story there. And then we see the Sanhedrin getting up and saying, what are we going to do about this? And Gamaliel, the, the wise one among them, the rabbi says, hey, if, if this is of God, we can't stop it. You find yourself kicking against the goes, kicking against the pricks. So, so you can't stop this. He recognized what was happening. Chapter 7 uh, they, they, uh, or, or chapter 5, they, 6, they, they, they choose people to serve the needs of the people there, the seven first deacons, all of whom had Greek names. They were Jewish people, but they were Hellenists. They learned the Greek language. They were culturally Greek, but Jewish uh, people. Because more and more of the Greek-speaking world, Greek Jews, because of the diaspora there, were coming to Christ. And the widows and the children, their needs weren't being met. And so everybody was coming in. They were sharing what they had. 
They're sharing with the people that need, and they needed people to distribute the, the, the food and uh, the help to the different people. But they chose people that were full of the Holy Spirit, and Stephen was one of them. And Stephen got up and preached a message, very similar to the messages that Peter was preaching, and he was stoned to death because of it. And there was a man there named Saul who gave the order. Saul, we know as Paul, his stories in chapter 9. God blew his walls down pretty hard when he was on a, on a horse on the road to Damascus. Chapter 8 begins with the story of Saul approved of their killing him. Saul was fighting. He was doing the dirty work of the, of the Sanhedrin, of these authorities in Jerusalem. And so it says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. Amazing what people do in the name of religion, isn't it? But those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went, and Philip went down in the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Now that's significant. That's significant. The wind of the Spirit starts to blow the embers, and one of the first embers that blows over is the wall between Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans, if you're familiar, we've talked about it often, were people that were looked down upon. You see, the Jews were looked down upon, Greeks and Romans, but everybody has to have somebody to look down upon, so the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans. The Samaritans, in their opinion, were half-breeds. These were people that weren't Jews, uh, but they had some Jewish belief. It was mixed together with their Babylonian beliefs because these were people that were from the other countries during the time of the exile. They were resettled there. Some were Jews, some weren't, and on and on. They just, they just had different beliefs. And so if you have different beliefs, there's something wrong with you. If you don't believe like me, there's something wrong with you. You're less than human. And so what happens is Philip goes to Samaria and he preaches Jesus and people come to faith. Signs and wonders happen there. In fact, there was a magician, Simon the sorcerer, who saw what Philip was doing and he was jealous. He wanted to buy the tricks to learn how to do it. Didn't work out too well for Simon. And then it goes on and it says, Then the Spirit took him from Samaria, Philip, who was Samaria to the north of Judea, and somehow transported him to the road south of Jerusalem, south of Judea, the road toward Egypt or Ethiopia. And it says in verse 26, it says... Uh, Oh, wait, let me finish up there. It says, those who, uh, oh, here's the thought I wanted to get up there. The embers of the Spirit can bridge any divide. That's the point I wanted to make. So then, chapter 8. As for Philip, verse 26, the angel of the Lord said to him, go south to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met a treasurer, the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. And seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. So again, here's a very wealthy, 
treasurer who was a worshiper, gone to Jerusalem, was reading from his own copy of the book of Isaiah. This is not when copies of scripture were readily available. You don't have a copy of scripture unless you're very, very wealthy. In fact, in those days, in the synagogues, uh, they would pull their resources together to buy one copy for the priests or the rabbis to read to the people because they were not readily available. So he had his own copy. That's how wealthy he was. And he's riding in a carriage. Come on, he's not on horseback. He's not walking. He's in a carriage. Spirit says, go. Just, 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 just go. Listen. Just walk. Walk beside him. Listen to him. What's he saying? What's he reading? Philip hears him reading, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. He went over and he heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do, do, do you know what you're reading? He said, well, how can I unless somebody instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up to the carriage and sit with him. The passage he had been reading was this. He was led like sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch eunuch asked Philip, he said, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or about somebody else? And it says, so beginning with this scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. So coincidentally, the Ethiopian was reading from Isaiah 53. Peter says, this is all about the promised Messiah. By the way, I know him. I, I, here's who he was. I, I experienced him. I followed him. I, or I believed in him. I heard about his followers, told me about him. And so it's second hand going to third hand now. You see it jumping from first generation to the second generation or third generation from, from, from Peter and John to Philip, who may or may not have ever seen Jesus, probably not, to a man now Philip is telling who's an Ethiopian. And so the winds of the spirit are jumping these walls and he tells the Ethiopian all about it and then just coincidentally or providentially they come to a pool of water and he says, what's going to keep me from getting baptized? And Philip says, I don't know, let's do it. Jumped down off the carriage and he baptized him right then and there. I love that story. I love that story. The faith jumps the wall to not only was he not Jewish, not only was he not Samaritan, not only was he Jewish, but he was African, and uh, jumping the races, jumping religions, jumping languages, jumping ethnicities, and all of a sudden, he goes away praising and worshiping God and takes the gospel to Ethiopia. Aren't you thankful for the wind of the Holy Spirit? And that wind of the Spirit, those embers of the Spirit have been jumping walls down through the centuries and down through the generations and over across the nations and on and on and on. But there is always the tendency of God's people to think that they have the corner on what the Spirit does. And when we get to that place, we must be careful that we don't do the same thing that the religious authorities did, that we don't build up walls that keep the Spirit from reaching more people and different people. And that we don't use our religion in a bad, bad way 
to tear others down. And so basically what I'm going to ask us to do this morning is just look inward and say, Spirit, where are the walls you need to blow down in my life? Ask the band to come up at this time, if you would, and we're going to sing a couple songs to conclude here this morning. But as we do, um, you know, maybe you're here this morning and you had walls of unbelief that, uh, I don't know, maybe the Spirit's saying, maybe there's more to this Jesus than you think. Maybe there are walls of hyperbelief, <laughs> and your hyperbelief is it's my way or no way. And maybe the walls for you need to come down to say that maybe the Spirit can reach people beyond me. You know, we're standing on the 500th anniversary of the Great Reformation. It was 500 years ago, was it tomorrow or the next day, that Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses on the wall of the church in Wittenberg. And it started a revolution. Some would say it was horrible. Some would say it was great. I'm sure it's a mixed bag. But he saw abuses in the church. I understand that his intention wasn't to get kicked out or to be excommunicated. He wanted to reform the church, but the church had walls that weren't going to come down. Coincidentally, his theses were nailed up right around the time that Gutenberg invented the printing press. Right when he was able to translate the scriptures from Latin into the German language. The embers of the Spirit started spreading out beyond the Latin church, the Roman church. People started reading it in their own language, seeing that maybe salvation is by faith alone. We need to go to Scripture for our authority, not the Pope. You know how that all happened. Years later, the Reformers were persecuting people who weren't believing the way they were believing. Oh, it's a pitiful, pitiful story, isn't it? Of how religious people can get the spirit and then lose the spirit and become just as destructive as those who are before them. That's a challenge to me. It's a challenge. I think my response is, God, I want to stay humble. I want to be open. I need to learn more God, I'm glad you're the judge and I'm not. I want you to help me love people of all kinds and all stripes, people that I don't necessarily like very much. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. You might have family members that you just need a, you need to build the walls between you and family members need to come down. Maybe it's a wall between you and God that needs to come down. It's a wall between you and people who believe or vote differently than you that need to come down. I don't know. But I know we all have them. I know we all have them. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I just pray that you would start to just blow the walls down in our lives and light a fire for the true spirit of God.
that spirit that just reaches people of all kinds. Forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our bigotry. Forgive us for just spreading division and disunity. Lord knows there's so much of that today. Forgive us for being a part of that. Help us to maybe learn some new things today. Spirit, speak into all of our hearts. Only you can apply these scriptures to us individually, so I ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Lord, maybe as people are getting baptized at the mills today, we just need to be baptized again in the Holy Spirit. Wash away our sins. Help us to bury the past and raise to new life. Help us to believe in Jesus and the Spirit of Christ that was doing such a fantastic work back then. Fill us again with your Spirit, I pray, that we might step forward with power in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.